welcome to episode 313 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and I'm here back again with the same panel as last time, the one and only Audra Bowling. Hello. Nice to be here. So, uh, listeners and Audra, if you have uh, a week-to-week memory, you might remember that last week we did the, we discussed the first half of East Origin, the Nihon Falcom uh, prequel RPG to the East series at large from 2006. Uh, we're here to talk about more East Origin, uh, including Endgame, uh, the third playthrough, the differences between playthroughs, and maybe a little bit about the future of East. So, Audra... Uh, um, first of all, uh, I, I think you finished Unica's playthrough before we recorded the first episode, and now since then you've uh, done a playthrough with another character. Is that correct? Yes, I um, played Toals or the Claws, depending on. Right, I think it's I think it's called the Claw when you start a new game with him. But we all know he he's Toal Fact, Hugo's older brother who's had who has his own issues that are definitely explored in Hugo's and uh, and Toal's playthrough routes but uh, uh, uh now that you've played it twice and I I I know those two routes are are uh, quite different um what's your what's your overall impression of the game I quite like it I actually really enjoyed Toal's I feel like they maybe saved a chunk of the story for him <laughs> quite a bit actually and I feel like it, overall it made the entire game stronger by playing it that's definitely true that they shaped that they saved part of the story just for him and i got a little bit of that in hugo's playthrough which has more toal in it than unica's playthrough does um probably not a surprise to you because it because toal barely shows up in unica's route yeah he shows up for like 1.5 seconds and i don't think they even name it <laughs> yeah he gets I want to say six or seven cutscenes in Hugo's route, and it's really unclear how much of an ally or villain he is. Hugo very, very obviously hates him, but then Toal like is sort of first he sort of pities Hugo, then he's concerned about him, then he gives Hugo an item that help that uh that helps you with the uh, uh with the detachment in the tower, and then when you eventually fight him for real, um Hugo doesn't kill him like he said he was going to the entire game. He just sort of he d- defeats him, and then uh, the claw is unconscious. And after at the end of the game, um, Toal's body is never found, so he presumably escapes. But uh, th- that's jumping ahead a little bit. Um, let's go back to the middle of the game. I- when I had stopped playing, I was in the Guilty Fire segment and was just—I think I was saved right outside Devil's Corridor. So I want to um, make a quick correction to I think an error or a misunderstanding that we had in the previous episode. Um, uh, uh, first of all, I mentioned that I, I had played this game in, uh, in I thought, 2014 or 2015. I checked my old review blog <laughs> from, uh, from years and years ago. I played this game in 2013, so it's been eight years. Uh, it, was, it was December 2013, into, maybe into January 2014, so right around eight years. Uh, so my memory was fuzzier than I thought even. And I think we refer um, – you referenced the Devil's Corridor and it being full of poison – and I thought that was the area of the tower before fighting Mantid, because I remembered that there was like uh, plant life and poison there. But I was mistaken. I, I I didn't properly remember what Devil's Corridor was. So, but playing it now, uh, you know, it's an area that 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 uh, where the player is constantly being damaged and you lose health quickly, and you have to find the hidden room with the rue. And in Unica's route, uh, they 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 give you a do they give you a harmonica or teach you a song on the silver instrument? 
Yes, you get a harmonica, and then you have to go back into the corridor and play a song from it. Right, and that's because it's not really full of poison. Uh, the Devil's Corridor has an ear-splitting sound in it, which is oh. what which is what's constantly damaging you. But they don't really make that clear. You just lose your life a lot. But in Hugo's route, Hugo does not uh, is not musically gifted. He, um, the Rue gives him a hammer, and what you have to do is you have to find a vent in one of the outdoor balcony areas uh, where you're where you faintly hear the same sound as the devil's corridor and then smash that vent with a hammer and that stops the sound and lets you, it lets you go through the corridor normally. But it sounds more flashy actually. <laughs> it's, it's not that flashy. You basically have to, it, the, the vents are basically the sort of oddly shaped pillars and you have, you have to check all of them. And uh, and you you hear air going through most of them, but one of them has the horrible devil devil's corridor sound in it, and I think that is closer to what happens in Old East One, where you have to get a hammer and and damage a uh, a mostly innocuous object to like so the floor above uh, is doesn't have poison or I guess an ear splitting sound in it. So it's it's I, I think how Hugo does it is a little bit more like East One, and how Unica and Toal do it is a little bit more like Future East, with you know like uh, the very <laughs> the very sentimental playing the harmonica tune that's in the that's in the opening menu. So Adel is not as gifted musically. No, I don't think I think he's more of the smash things with a hammer than play a sweet tune on a harmonica kind of uh, kind of character, but. Uh, but anyway, that's that's not a important detail. It's just I, I think you and I were talking about different parts of the game when we were thinking of of the poison part of the tower and the Devil's Corridor is I don't know it's right around the middle of the game and it's and it's a where I stopped before but I ended up did finishing my Hugo playthrough. I did manage to finish East Origin this time, unlike uh, me failing to finish Persona Two a couple months ago. I, I finished it, I think, two nights ago, so listeners that want to examine my Twitter feed can find the exact time we're recording, probably. And uh, honestly, Hugo's tone and what happens to him is so different from what happens to Unica. It, uh, I, I don't want to say it's worth an extra 10 hours, but it was definitely fun to revisit this game in a totally different way, and I, I mostly liked what Hugo had going for him. Uh, mostly because I was perfectly okay rooting for someone who's a total asshole. Because <laughs> Hugo is a rude jerk for, let's say, 90% of the entire route. Um, but I, I want to ask you some questions because um, there, there's a character that we mentioned in the previous episode, Epona, who is the the sort of the teenage member of the Darklings uh, faction of villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens to Epona in Unica and Toal's route? Um, in Unica's route, you fight her, and then she just gets knocked unconscious, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. And you don't see her again after that. And in Toal's route, she actually is kind of more on friendly terms with Toal. So she helps him out a lot, and she's looking out for Hugo, but trying to say she's not looking out for Hugo. Oh yeah, there's there's plenty of that in Hugo's route. But but yeah. what, what 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 happens to her at the very end of the game? She ends up getting helped by Toal and Hugo, and ends up leaving to go back to the Darklings area to explain what happens about all of the other people that were working with her. 
And then, but apparently she's going to be coming back to visit Hugo. Right. Okay. Um, so we're, we're going to skip ahead a little bit. Uh, I, I think at the end of every route, or at least at the end of Unica and Hugo's route, a uh, part of the contingent that's exploring the tower, uh, basically the world is saved. The, go- the goddesses are, uh, are alive and well, but they need to seal away the Black Pearl so that it'll stop like attracting demons all over the land and uh, and the people of East will learn to live without the magic of the Black Pearl. Because in, in, in general, the Black Pearl was the source of all the magic in East and the goddesses thought the, realized that the Black Pearl was also uh, the, the source of the demon activity going around. And so they, they removed the Black Pearl from East intending to seal it away. But then the, the Darklings interfere. There's, there's a demon attack. The people go, uh, from East go after the goddesses. We, we all know about that. But in general, at the end of Unica and Hugo's route, um, the, the goddesses seal themselves away with the Black Pearl to re- reawaken a, a few hundred years later and and uh, and the events of East 1 and 2 take place. But a few people decide to stay at the base of the tower and and not return to East, including Unica and Hugo. And so at the end of Toal's route, I, I know Toal's route has a different end game, so we're, we're not going to talk about that yet. Uh, Epona leaves to go back to the Darklings, but will return later. Is that is that right? Yes. Okay, okay. In Hugo's route, Epona is turned to stone and then dies in Hugo's arms. Oh, it, it's uh, right that's after. That's more depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, for uh, around this, the, eh, like the I don't know the last third of Hugo's route, Hugo is just infuriated by uh, by his brother Toal defecting to the demons. He refu- He thinks of him only as a disgrace. E- even before he went to the dark side, him leaving the Fact family forced Hugo to be the new heir and put an incredible amount of pressure on him. Hugo definitely has father issues, is incredibly ambitious, is talented, but is uh, clearly his bad, his um, poor upgrading, for, excuse me, poor upbringing from a demanding father has affected Hugo's personality. And so he has incredible resentment towards his brother. And uh, throughout his route, he's very rude to everyone around him, saying, I can do all this by myself. I don't need anyone else. I hate my brother. I want to kill my brother. And I only want more power. So Dallas, the leader of the Darklings, offers to give Hugo demonic power because Toal took in some demonic power and it made him stronger. And if Hugo takes in demonic power, he might be stronger than anyone else in the tower. And that is interesting to Hugo. So Hugo takes up Dallas on his offer and then uh, right right before the Manted boss fight. And then you, you fight the Manted boss normally, but then the Manted gets up and comes back at Hugo again. So Hugo fights the Manted again, but this time using his new demon powers. So you get to use a super duper version of Hugo for about 30 seconds, which is all the time it takes to kill the revived Manted. And oh, wow. But then Hugo goes completely berserk. He attacks Musha and Kadena. Is clearly, uh, you know, has been is falling to demon influence. But then who comes to save him? But Epona, who has been, you know, doing this back and forth. I don't want to help you, but I'm going to help you. Thing with Hugo. Hugo's the uh, op- is uh, Epona's the only character that Hugo opens up to about his relationship with his father and brother. So they're they're they are clearly interested in each other i go this is me with my um with my romance or, or shipping glasses on they're clearly yeah, I can see that too <laughs> yeah they're clearly interested in each other but aren't but neither of them are willing to admit it um and epona is the one that uh that spars with demon hugo briefly like until he calms down 
and she and she sort of brings him to his senses and but then in that moment like dallas is clearly annoyed that epona prevents hugo from falling to the dark side so he turns her to dust or no he turns her to stone and then in his arms uh, the stone epino epina fades away to dust it is really really sad so when i did a little bit of searching about the differences between the three routes and noticed that uh oh epina survives i have to ask audra what exactly what happens (laughs) there is is kind of the is uh, basically what happened so is there any in, in get, let's talk about Toal's route a little bit. Uh for, first of all, what's his deal exactly? Like 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 do we um it's okay to spoiler all the way to the end. Sort of what's his motivation in the tower and what are some of the bigger differences you know just between his route and Unica's route? Basically his motivation is that him and Unica's father had decided to stay behind when the they lifted Solomon Shrine up into the air. Right. And and and, um, and both Hunica and y- Hugo meet Tova's ghost um to, when when they when they get the third magic spell, the Crimson Lotus Blade blade spell. Yeah, and um actually Toal does too later on. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Cuz yeah, I mean, it is the same three items that grant magic to all three characters. And basically he was going to die and the demons came and offered him some of their power to survive if he worked for them for a little bit. And he decide, he agrees to do so, but only because they said that they wouldn't harm the goddesses afterwards because he was, he's actually friends with them. And especially, um, is her name Rhea? Yeah. It's Fina and Rhea. Um, yeah. Fina is a singer and Rhea plays a, uh, oh, does she have a harmonica or a harp? I believe it's the harmonica. Yeah, she does have a harmonica. Okay, they're they're both in East One, and they're clearly related, but it's not clear that they're goddesses until the end of East One. Yeah, and he's um, he's pretty much if you're looking at romance goggles, he him and Rhea have a very close relationship. Oh yeah, let's say, while we have the uh, these rosy glasses on, like maybe it's Toal and Rhea. It's definitely uh um a hundred seven hundred years from now. Uh, Adol and Fina, and we also have we also have Hugo and Epona, possibly Hugo and Musha, if if we're in the storyline where Epona dies, and then and maybe Roy also Unica yeah, and Roy. Roy. Roy's not going to stay behind until Unica says she does. So like, uh, I, I guess that's how the fact and Tova lines continue, <laughs> as far as we can tell. Yeah. But uh, but back to Toal. Um. So he agrees to work with them. And so his mission is to try to capture the goddesses in the Black Pearl. So he's working on exploring the tower to try and track down where they are because the goddesses are missing. And then it turns out he's really kind of wishy-washy about the whole thing. He doesn't really want to do it and stuff. And so once he figures out what Fina and Ray are actually up to with the Black Pearl... He decides he's going to double cross the demons and save them all and everything. And it doesn't yes. exactly work out quite as well as he thinks, but he does end up fighting his dad, who's the big bad. Yeah, Kane Fact is the secret manipulator of all of this. I'm, I'm going to try and clarify a few things, and please correct me if I get a detail wrong here, Audra, because, again, I, I've only played the very beginning of Toal's route. I, I finished Hugo's route. I messed around with Toal for, like, 20 minutes, which is basically the same that what I did eight years ago. 
uh, so so let's back this up a little bit. Toal um, uh, is sort of fighting a last stand against the demons with Tova. Tova passes away. Toal is about to die, but takes on demon powers to survive and agrees to work with the Darklings, um, mostly out of self-preservation, but also he cares very much about Fina and Rhea and wants to protect them. So while he while uh, the Darklings and Toal are looking for the goddesses, they want the goddesses for their power. Toal wants to make sure that they're safe. Uh, and eventually, he, when Rhea tells him what their plan is with the Black Pearl, he is completely on the side of the goddesses, but pretends to keep working with the Darklings, uh, again, because he mostly cares about the safety of Fina and Rhea. Uh, and, but towards the end, it looks like that it's not really Dallas that wants the Black Pearl to revive the Dark God. Uh, really, it's Kane Fact who has been wanting that from the beginning. Like uh, Again, the Black Pearl is a power source, and it's what keeps uh, all of the magic in the land of East running and and uh, what keeps it floating in the sky. But Kane Fact and Dallas both want to unlock the full power of the Pearl to basically for super, for world supremacy, reshaping the world kinds of reasons. Is that is is that basically fair? Pretty much. Um, Kane Fact is using Dallas and does right. away with him basically at the end when he's no longer useful. Now, Kane uh, Fact is not in East 2, uh, but Dallas and Zava both are. Uh, Dallas and Zava are basically like the generals of Darm, um, or, uh, who is the final boss of East 2. Darm is sort of the dark god that's the manifestation of all the demon power that, that the Black Pearl is a conduit for. So he's, he's basically a dark god that's all the demon power, is Darm. Um, and I believe what's going on here is that Dallas and Zava are darklings, and they're ambitious and, and evil, no, no doubt about that. But Kane Fact, by by work, by you know studying the Black Pearl and being around it for so long, is I believe being manipulated by Darm, and is going and was planning to revive Darm and use Dallas and Zava for those ends. But the goddesses escape with the pearl because they realized that someone from within East is corrupted. Maybe they knew, uh, did, 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 did Fina and Rhea know that Kane Fact was evil, or did they escape with the Pearl on suspicion someone was evil? They had suspicions about him, but they couldn't prove it. Right, okay, that's that's what I thought. Um, because it, in, a, in, in Hugo's route, they mentioned that uh, they are very concerned, and they had to leave with the Black Pearl uh, for personal reasons, but they wouldn't say why. Uh, and, and, and it was still only a theory. And then again, this is a right, right around the midpoint of the game. I think it's in the, uh, I think it's when they're talking to Fina in the Rado's Annex part of the game. Um, but where, where there's like a bridge jutting off the center of the tower with a little, with a little hidey hole there. Uh, I think that's where you meet Zava for the first time. If, or, or you, you fight a monster summoned by Zava there. Or, uh, yeah, you do. That, that, that's what that is, right? But see, that, that's what I thought. Um, they, Fina and Rhea knew that someone within East was uh had like was under Darm's influence, so they had to get the Black Pearl out of there and find a way to seal it off. But then the demons and the Darklings uh ca- are chasing after them and capturing them. And then the the, the group of people from East who are well intentioned, like the, our 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 twelve buddies from East, including Unica and Hugo. They're they're trying to get to rescue the goddesses. I don't. There's no one evil in that crew, but Kane Fact, one of the six priests that is the that is basically the entire government of East, is the perpetrator behind everything, and he's Hugo and Toel's father. And that goes into one other thing, 
that I, I want to see if, if this comes up in Toll's route as well. Like, Hugo is well-known as a magic genius. His father is well-known as the greatest sorcerer in East. But they also met, and but Dallas mentioned this to him that because the fact family is so ambitious that uh, Hugo won't be able to resist the demon power, and there's like there's darkness in his blood that that will be that would manifest like that. And I think when Dallas says that, the player is supposed to think he's referring to Toal, but really he's referring to Toal and Kane. Oh. Does that because if if Dallas knows that he's working with Kane, if Dallas is working with Kane Fact, which I mean he is, he he probably knows. Oh, this Fact family are cunning and ambitious to a fault. So maybe I can exploit this in Hugo and turn him into a demon, which you know almost works until uh, until Epino brings back Hugo. And when do Hugo is fighting Dallas at the end of his route, he's suppressing and resisting the demon powers within him, which which is hugely surprising to Dallas. And of course, Hugo eventually wins. And is you know and proves that like the hum- the humanity in him is stronger than the demon within him, but that I think is foreshadowing to dark fact in East One. The reason that dark fact succumbs to darkness and commits all kinds of atrocities in East One is because the the fact bloodline has this darkness inside of them, and um they have and, to pull and towards it. Yeah, exactly. And and Cain succumbs to it, and and uh, and dark fact succumbs to it. But Hugo and Toal are able to sort of do their own thing without uh, w- without completely falling into darkness. And and Toal does that out of love for Rhea, and, uh, and Hugo does it to sort of prove that he's his own person and not just the, the, the son of the, uh, like the overlooked son of the great priest of East and the great hero of the army. I, I, again, Hugo has some, some daddy issues and some brother issues that he, that he, I think he mostly gets over over the course of his route. And and with Toal, you see a little bit of of that in Hugo, but from the perspective of the good guy pretending to be a bad guy, which is at least interesting to me. Does, does everything I've say I've said uh, mostly jive with what you saw in Toal's route? Because again, I, I read a little bit about Toal's route, but I have not played it through. Yeah, I think so. Actually, it, he um, Toal actually, in a lot of respects, felt almost overshadowed by Hugo. <laughs> Because Hugo was the prodigy, and the, so he stepped down originally because he thought he was helping Hugo out by not being the heir anymore. And then he kind of realizes that he made a big mistake. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, uh, Toal joins the army and steps down from the Fact family because he thinks Hugo would be the better heir. While Hugo thinks Toal did that selfishly to force the airhood onto Hugo, which is not necessarily something Hugo wanted. And then that just puts, you know, the expectations and pressure from their father, Cain, more onto Hugo. So basically both brothers were working their hardest and and doing what they thought was right, but it ended up just worsening their relationship. And then it culminates them, it culminates in them trying to kill each other in, in East Origin. I'm not sure Toal ever really wanted to try to kill him. I think he usually just knocks him out or... Yeah, you know, that's right. Um, Hugo definitely wants to kill Toal, at least in the first three quarters of East, one, of, of East Origin. But I think Toal is, is definitely interested in fighting Hugo, but never wants to kill him, is, is, is probably more accurate. Yeah, because he encounters a lot of the um, the travelers from East, and he never actually kills any of them. 
Yeah, he has a boss fight against Galleon pretty early, but does he fight? Uh, does he fight the the commander later? He fights. Um, he doesn't fight Tova. No, no. I, I mean, uh, you know who I mean. The woman with black hair. Oh uh, no, he doesn't. He does oh. fight Father Shion. Oh, Father Shion. Oh, he okay. He fights Father Shion. I I assumed he was he was fighting his uh, his former commander. That's my that's that's my mistake. I I didn't I didn't check a boss list. I guess. But uh, does he fight Dallas at the end and then Kane, or is it just is his boss fight at the top of the tower just Kane? It's Dallas first and then Kane. Okay. They do kind of a fake out. Right. Where you yeah. think you've already beaten it, and then it. And then Kane shows up and is like, "Haha!" Oh yeah, no, you, you you get the whole switcheroo or swerve or whatever word you want to you want to call that kind of plot plot twist. But um, and in general, I think Dallas is like a much fa- fancier version of the Dallas boss fight in these two. While Kane's boss design is more inspired by Darm in these two in East two. It's, they're not the same, but you know, it's it's a you know it's it, it's a reference in a way that a lot of the East origin bosses are references to to five, uh, six or seven bosses from East one and two. Um, but the, that just makes me more interested in playing to route uh, for these story reasons, but also for gameplay reasons, because he plays so much differently from the others. Can you describe his moveset a little bit? And, uh, and especially I have to ask, is he faster, faster than Hugo and, uh, and Unica? Well, I haven't played Hugo's route yet, but he's definitely faster than Unica. He's much more of a close range fighter because he fights with claws. And what are what are his three spells? Um, one of them is a, I think it's like a thunder claw where he kind of has electricity coming from his claws, and that will damage things like the turtles in the underwater area that don't get damaged very easily. Yeah, those are the ones they have to blow up or smash with the yeah. with, with the thunder ability for Unica, for Unica or Hugo. And then he has one that's like a speed dash move where you just basically make him move really fast from one point to another and he can kind of damage things if he hits them while he's going there. The last one is actually, it's a fire move based around the Crimson Lotus Blade. And what's the mechanics of it? Because for Hugh, for Unica, she just gets a fireball, and for Hugo, he just has two fireballs spin around him. But it, but it, but if you charge it up, there's a fire beam also. What's it like for uh, for Toal? I believe it just kind of has a burst of flame come up from the ground around him. Okay. Now that definitely sounds faster than Hugo or Unica because Hugh, Unica is, I think, the slowest of the group. But uh, but her wind spell does the wind blade around her that only allows her to float a little bit. When Hugo casts his wind spell, he gets a a a, a, a magic shield around him that allows him to float and and block one or two moves, but also increases his moves his movement a little bit. So with Hugo, you can go a little faster than Unica by casting your shield often, which I did all the time. And but for Toal, if one of his movements is a dash and he already has a normal dash and he's more just and his combo based gameplay is is quicker than Unica and Hugo in general. It sounds like he can really he can really cook through the tower com- uh, compared to the other two characters. I did um play through his route a lot quicker actually. <laughs> Although he just doesn't have as much um long range attacks unfortunately. Well, you know, you got to get right in your face. And and again, uh, Hugo's moveset is mostly long range, but I played it pretty close range because there's not a great way to target your enemies at a distance. Um, and in playing through Hugo got easier the further I got into the game somehow. Like, I, th- I think I, uh, 
uh, with bosses that they all took me two or three tries, but I only died sort of over and over, maybe one in, in the first half of the game uh, in one or two spots as you go, because once you upgrade that shield and can get, get uh, two hits tanked before you deal damage. And if you just like you throw up your shield, circle enemies and fire the beams at them. And then when you get your, and then activate your boost, uh, which when you upgrade your boost to to burst, which you you mentioned in the previous episode for Hugo yes. for Hugo it gives him an invincible shield for about ten seconds that that also damages enemies around him. So Hugo has so many ways of uh, <laughs> of dealing damage at range and and becoming temporarily invincible. That uh, again, I was only playing on normal mode, but uh, it, it became almost impossible to lose regular encounters as Hugo in the second half of the game, he, he, they, they made, I felt that by the end of the game, normal was a little too easy. And I thought maybe I should have switched to hard. Yeah. I can see that. I actually didn't have too much of a problem except for a couple boss fights with to all where Zora, I think that's her name. Zora. Zava. 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 Yeah. She was tricky just because you have to try to hit her while she's floating in the air and her other, her minions are, all floating too. Yes, sir. But for Hugo, that's easy because his shield does a little bit of damage to anyone that touches it. All I had to do was throw the shield on and then uh, double jump around her. So just just by bumping shoulders with her, she fell to the ground again, and I could start throwing bombs and my and my laser beams at her. It's it's like Hugo allows you to play with recklessness and the safety of a shield and range damage that felt a little unfair because uh, I, I remember struggling more against Zava and Dallas with Unica than I ever did against Hugo. And, and again, the only time I died over and over to bosses as Hugo was against the Centipede. But uh, I, again, I, I think that uh, probably Unica's difficulty is a little bit more normally tuned, but on normal mode, Hugo is a little bit easy once you sort of figure out his moveset and maybe, and maybe uh, upgrade, the, um, uh, upgrade the bombs and the shield once. But, once you hit that learning curve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there's a, it's not really a learning curve. It's more like a learning cliff. Like once you have a couple upgrades and have, and have Hugo figured out the game is I'm, I'm concerned a little too easy by East standards. Uh, did you, did you have any, a part of the tower or boss fight that you thought wasn't usually was interesting or difficult? Uh, like you, you mentioned the Zava boss fight with the, with the two giant heads and her flying above. That was, I thought that was a pretty, at least interesting one. That was a pretty interesting one. It was just, it's a little more difficult when you're playing as Toal because really he only has his burst move, I believe, is long range. So you had to really try to like jump up and hit her and. And then and dash around and float to avoid the, yeah. uh, the, the the full screen ice and fire attacks. Have you, um, this is a little bit out of left field. Audra, have you played Trials of Mana? No, not yet. It, it, it's great. I recommend it, but um, the, either the remake or the original, but the, there's a boss fight in trials of mana where it is a sorceress with two giant heads that, that, that she summons floating around her. And then that sort of reminds me of that boss fight. Um, not, uh, not, not, not really a spoiler. You'll uh, it's, but it, but it, it's late ish in the game in trials of mana. The other fight that I remember is the, um, the one against the lava monster. We have to beat the hand, destroy the hands first before it like will head send its entire head down so that you can attack it. Yeah, the, I don't know the I don't remember the name of that boss, but it was definitely called the construct when you mm -hmm. when you're uh, when you're looking for the the key to get into his uh into his arena. 
Um, and then that, that's one of the boss fights that, that's a, a little bit Zelda. It's like, oh, destroy this part, destroy that part. They expose the weakness. You attack the weakness until they sort of, the boss sort of resets and you have to destroy the targeted areas again. So sometimes the boss fights are like that. Sometimes the boss fights are a little bit more uh, like a fighting game. Just just get their HP down to zero kind of, kind of deal. But I, I thought that the boss fights were at least interesting throughout East Origin, especially since, since there, there's so many different kinds of fight. Because, like, like uh, the the centipede and the construct are not similar at all, except that, that you both have to rotate around a central pit or a central column, and the the, the boss fights against Toal and Kishgal and Epona, and even Zava to a degree are against human sized enemies, and you have to sort of, and you sort of have to sort of navigate around them being almost as agile as you are, and and uh, and some enemies are sort of full screen. Uh, terrors like the like like the mantid or uh, Dallas at the end. Uh, it, it's it, it's cool that there are so many different shapes and sizes of boss. Yeah, and the different strategies you have to figure out just to take them on. There's never one that feels exactly the same as the other. So there's no carbon copies. No carbon copies except except I think that Unica has to fight Kishkal twice, and and Hugo has to fight Toal twice. But uh, and and that's another thing. The uh, a lot of the boss fights other than the six main demons, and I guess Zava, uh, are exactly the same between Unica and Tova. It, it, you mentioned to me, I think in the previous episode, that uh, the Claw slash Toal is only in Unica's route for maybe two scenes. I think it might just be one scene, actually. In in, in Hugo, uh, Kishkal only shows up in one scene. You don't see him at all the entire game until a boss fight early on in the last section. I think probably where you fight... Uh, Kishgal the final time as Unica, you meet Kishgal for the first time, and he's like, "Epona was my sister, so I, I'm gonna fight you out of out of revenge now." And then then you fight him, um, but but the, the, he he walks away uh, from the fight. Okay, I don't I don't think Kishgal dies, but that that's the only time in Hugo's route you see him the entire game. Oh wow! Just just once in the final area, I think it's. Uh, if I want to get specific, I think it's after Mantid, but before Zava is when you fight Kishgal. But I'd have to check a list to make sure. I guess at least he he was a nice brother. Yeah, no, he, he was a nice brother, and he, he when he walks away from the fight, uh, he asks uh, Hugo, "Did Epona? You saw her die? Did she die without any regrets?" And Hugo says, "No, I don't think she did." And then that seems to satisfy Kishgal, and he walks away. He's a Kishgal's a he's a, he's stoic, and he's a bit of a jerk to Unica in her playthrough. But uh, he he was he was I think he was mostly trying to be a good big brother. Yeah, I actually didn't know that him and Epona were siblings because that doesn't show up at all in Toel's oh. route. Epona mentions having an older brother uh, in Hugo's route when Hugo's complaining about or not well not complaining well when Hugo's talking about his relationship with his older brother. Epona mentions having an older brother herself, and and again that, that that's part of them adorably connecting around the middle of the game. Um, and then, and then Kishkal shows up, identifies himself as Epona's brother, and is a, a boss fight against Hugo. But but it's the only time you see Hugo in. Excuse me, the only time you see Kishkal in Hugo's route. When my memory of Unica's route was encountering Kishkal multiple times and fighting him twice. Yeah, because he's he's like I killed your father. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and again, we mentioned the previous episode, but I think that um, Kishgal's ice techniques and halberd fighting style is a is a carry um, carries over to Frida in Memories of Salsetta, uh, where like her move set is in, is somewhat inspired by uh, Kishgal and maybe also Epona. 
but uh, which is I thought was a cool reference, and I but I mentioned in the previous episode. But anyway, I think we we've talked a lot about uh, about East Origin. I want to look into the future a little bit and to the past a little bit. Um, and and I apologize in advance, Audra. I'm putting you on the spot again. Um, well, that's okay. I, I I've played most of the East games, and you and you've played several, but not all of them. So I want to ask you a couple questions about 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 you and East. Like, are you interested in playing more East games? And if yes, what do you think the next one you're going to play is? Yes, I am interested in playing them. And I'm tor- honestly torn between Ark of Nepishtim. Yep, that, that's right. That's East 6. Oh, yes. Yay, I got it right. Okay. And um, E7. Okay, well, uh, that... That perfectly transitions into my second question, but but first a little bit of clarification. Um, Ark of Nepishtim is East Six. It was made before Origin and, and before Oath and Filgana, but but plays similarly to them. And, you know, I mean, you've played Filgana and Origin. You you know how how they how they feel similar. Uh, Ark of Nepishtim is older than those two, but will be like that. And do you think you would probably play it on PC or seek out the PS2 version? Probably the PC version. I have it, so it's oh yeah, just. Easier it, for me. That that's the right choice because they made a couple fixes and conveniences in the Steam version of Nepishtim that that I think make it a little better. So that that's I'm 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 glad that's the way you're going. I played it on PS2 and then tried it out on PC later and and realized oh this PC version is considerably better. <laughs> so you're uh that, that's the right move. But you've played a couple of these solo East games and uh, and you've played a couple of the team East games. Um, because I think you mentioned you played Monstrum Nox and Memories of Celsetta, right? Yes. And so, uh, and again, I refer to those two as Hipster Zelda and Hipster Secret of Mana, which I know, which I know is reductive. Like now that you've played a couple of each of those, and E Seven, I should mention, is the first one of those uh, of those Team East games. Which of those do you think you like a little more? Like, uh, like, do you like the solos or the team ones? I kind of like the fact that in the party ones, you get there's more characters to actually kind of become attached to. And there you have different abilities that you can switch usually quite quickly. Oh yeah. Between. All of them, uh, the character switching even mid combo is, uh, is, is possible and a key part of the action there. Uh, and then that is a highlight of those as well. Um, and, and again, E7 is, probably tied with Oath and Felgana to be my favorite of the East games. Um, so like that PC version of E7, I don't know if you have it or not, but, uh, but having that one on your list is a very, very uh, good idea and, and recommended by me for sure. Uh, and and, and oh, again, I have the PSP version of that one. Okay. The, the PC version, I think cleans up the visuals a little bit, but it's, but I played E7 on PSP and it's very, very good on PSP. Okay. I, I won't go into, into spoiler territory, but, uh, but your your first character in that game, other than Adol, is his best friend Dogi, and play and playable Dogi is one of the best parts of E Seven. Playable Dogi is great. I love Dogi, so that's that actually makes me want to play it more. <laughs> you th- you think you love Dogi now from his role in Monstrum Nox, I presume. You're yes. gonna you're gonna love him a lot in E Seven. He's he, Do- Dogi's the best. But uh, all right, so. Uh, I said I was going to ask you three questions. The third one is um, now that you've played through East Origin twice, and uh, you're looking at playing more East games. Where there's a maybe there's an East Ten in, in our coming eventually. Although East Nine was very very recent. I think I think East Nine was January of 2021, maybe a couple months earlier in Japan. Like in a theoretical future East, 
or East 10 or a remake of East 5 because that's the one that, that we haven't gotten post-2000 yet. What's something from Origin that you really liked that you would like to see in a future East, whether it was a gameplay thing or a story thing or uh, uh, j- just a concept? What's one thing from East Origin that you'd like to see carried over to a future East? Um. Actually, it'd probably be two. I wouldn't mind seeing more maybe prequel storylines. Okay. Which I know isn't. I just thought they did a really good job with Origin, so I'd be curious to see how they could maybe tie it into other games' plots. But um, other than that, I would really like if they did another solo game to have the option to actually pick between characters, because I thought playing through as the different play styles is quite interesting and seeing the plots from different perspectives. Okay. I have some thoughts about both of those answers, which is, which, which are, were great. And I'm excited now. Um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the lazy Zelda comparison again. Uh, the past say six or seven years, Zelda did uh, a link between worlds, which was a 2d Zelda game. Then breath, then big fancy breath of the wild, which was a brilliant 3d Zelda game. Then they did the remake of Link's Awakening, which was 2D, and the Breath of the Wild sequel is going to be 3D again. I love that we're getting both kinds of Zelda by them alternating the 2D and 3D games, and I, and I hope that they continue to make 2D games um, uh, uh, going in the future because I love 2D Zelda. And I wish that East did a similar thing because I love Felgana and Origin so much, and I love... Uh, uh, I, I really, really, well, maybe love is a strong word. Maybe it's not. I really, really like the four, uh, um, the four team-based East games, uh, seven, eight, nine, and Memories of Celsetta, the remake, which is a remake of four. I would love if they, going forward, instead of just making these team ones, switch between solos and team games. Because I, I, because I really think they have different strengths and weaknesses and are both great, but I, I, I kind of miss how Felgana and Origin feel having played basically only 3D East the past uh, five or six years. Yeah, I can see that. I definitely think that there was there's appeal in both ways of approaching East. And, uh, and the other thing you mentioned was maybe doing a prequel um, again, because I, uh, you, you've played Oath and Felgana and Memories of Cell, Seta, and Origin, all three of which are pretty successful prequel games. Uh, or I, 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 well, I, I made it, I misspoke. Origin is a prequel. Three, uh, Celsetta and Felgana are remakes. Do I, I think that a, a remake of East and the Five is overdue because that's sort of famously one of the less good East games, but there are East Five characters in East Six. So, like, I, I think that it, it deserves a remake that fits in better with modern East. Um, it's the one that got away so far, yeah, basically, yes. Uh, but the idea of an East prequel, I've floated this around on social media before. One East character design that I think is underutilized. Uh, you, you remember there was a couple flashback scenes in the East Memories of Salsetta? Yes. And we a couple times we get to see Adol's dad, who's a yeah he, he's he's a cool looking guy with a with a ponytail who tells uh, Adol a bunch of stories about being an adventurer, right? Mm-hmm. I'm I, what I want is an East Zero starring Adol's dad. And through the East Zero, we, um, whether it's in his homeland or somewhere else, we eventually either meet Adol's mom or uh, he gets multiple female co-stars <laughs> and, and then fans get to speculate on which one is Adol's mom. Either of, uh, either of those are something I want. Like, let us play as Adol's cool dad and meet Adol's cool mom. Possibly a choice of Adol's cool mom. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that would be pretty cool. I, that, that I know that is complete fan. That is complete fan fiction on my part. But that is <laughs> that is something that I would gobble up so fast. That would be definitely awesome. This, heck, they could even throw in a dating sim element in it. Sure. <laughs> Fine. I mean, I, I I say this like I didn't play dating sim parts of Yakuza games for dozens of hours in 2021 or have dated literally everyone you can date in Personas 3 through 5. So, yeah, like I, I sometimes I make fun of dating sim elements, but then I play all of them. So I'm a complete hypocrite. And if they did that in in a future East game, I would probably like get the get the trophy for, for max completion on it. Uh, you could do a ring. No, sure. no, I don't. I don't want to do a Reen. No, that's not what I wanted. Not at all. No, I don't want Reen. I am perfectly happy with some version of Adol or his dad, or even bringing back some uh, some mostly likable new characters like Unica, Hugo, or Toal. But uh, I'm I am mostly glad that our that uh, Cold Steel is behind us and Nihon Falcom is moving on to uh, to, to newer characters. But uh, listeners, Me we too. are going. <laughs> But listeners, we are going to move on to new panelists in the next month or so. Uh, thank you for joining us for two episodes on East Origin through the month of November. Uh, so let's talk about what's coming to Retro Encounter in December and beyond. Um, next month, we are doing an episode on Imposter Factory, the uh, the last Ken Gao game in his trilogy that began, or trilogy and a half, uh, that began with To the Moon about a decade ago. I'm really, I have that downloaded and ready to go, but I haven't started it yet. So that is going to happen very, very soon. And I'm excited to talk to you about it. Or I should, I should say, I'm excited to talk to Zach about it. And he and I will have that be a podcast in the next few weeks. Also in the next few weeks, we're doing a final RPG villains episode of the year, which is also a final uh, uh, retro encounter, Final Fantasy 14 episode of the year. Because we're doing an episode all about Emmett Selk, the main villain of... Uh, of one of the Final Fantasy XIV expansions. But so if you're an FF14 fan or an Emmett Selk fan, that is going to be appointment listening either next week or the week after. I haven't decided the order of recording yet. But um, after Emmett Selk and Imposter Factory, we're doing two episodes on Final Fantasy V, which recent ha- recently had its Pixel Remaster come out. Um, so a lot of people are playing that version. A lot of people are excited about FF5, and our panel will be excited to talk about FF5 in a couple of weeks. After yes. that... Yeah, FF5 is a good one. I'm um, I'm really excited to hear uh, others' feelings on it. I love a job system, and FF5 is one of the best Final Fantasy job systems. Oh yeah, it's it's quite an. I'm playing it now, and it's quite engrossing. Oh no, do you have a do? What do you have Bart's rocking most of the time? Bart is my white mage, actually. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. Um, and I have a geomancer and a samurai. Right on. That white magic is crucial in FF5. You're going to want at least two people learning some white magic in that one. Oh, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, after Final Fantasy V, we're doing our traditional year-end episode about the year. Our, it's usually our least retro episode of Retro Encounter every year. Probably going to be a similar case this year. I still really want to finish SMT5 and Tales of Arise before, and, and Imposter Factory before we do that. So I have my work cut out for me in the next three weeks or so before we record that. But uh, listeners, if you want to talk to us about Imposter Factory or Final Fantasy V or Emmett Selk or East Origin or, I don't know, uh, your favorite demon in Shin Megami Tensei V, the best way to, to reach out to us is to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on the RPG Fan message boards, visit our Facebook page, our Instagram, our Twitter, our Discord channel, our YouTube channel, our Twitch channel. Are all of them? 
no, it's a Discord server Twitch channel. Messed that up too late now. But we have something going on every day in each of those venues. Please interact with RPG Fan however you choose to. RPG Fan also has three other fine podcasts in our fledgling podcast network. Random Encounter every two weeks about randomness. Rhythm Encounter also every two weeks about RPG music. And Phoenix Edge which releases sporadically, but is usually recorded on YouTube and is mostly focused on current events. You can listen to Retro Encounter or those three other fine podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever podcast listening venue you choose. Please listen. Please provide feedback. We love all of our listeners, especially the ones that provide feedback. But if you want to provide feedback to us as individuals, not as podcasts, let's tell them how to do so. Audra, what's your social media? Audra B at RPGFan.com is my email, and that's pretty much all I have at the moment. I have somewhat more than that at the moment. I, uh, I'm i probably most easily found on Twitter. I am at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times. I'm also Monsoon Mike on RPG Fans Discord. So uh, you listened to uh, two players go through three routes in a... Uh, prequel RPGs have 700 years before a 1989 classic. Oh, and Audra, do you think you're ever going to go back and play those like sumo wrestling East 1 and 2 remakes? Oh, I might. <laughs> if you do so, it'll be for your education and not for your entertainment, because those are a little oh. bit rough. They're, like East, East Origin is considerably less rough than those two, but uh, no matter what East game you decide to play eventually next, listeners, thank you. Good night.